Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your house and to worship you and to praise you. And we thank you for the word, Lord, for this day. And we pray, God, that it would go out and touch our hearts in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this subject, spiritual heavyweight championship fight. We are in a spiritual heavyweight championship fight. What is the warfare in this present hour, we must ask? What are the battles? What is God saying to you concerning a strategy on how to fight and defeat the enemy that's coming against us? What do you need to know to win? How do we deal with news concerning out-of-control fires, monstrous hurricanes, devastating earthquakes, possible possible nuclear war, and all the day-to-day living we engage in with our families and at work. We can take some cues from the boxing world and apply it to our spiritual war against the enemy of our soul. Believe it or not, boxing is really referred to in the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 26. Paul wrote to the church and he said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? That's track. But one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight, not as one that beateth the air. So I fight, not as one that beateth the air. I want you to look at that word uncertainty. We don't live our life moving toward uncertainty because there's certain things about God's word that are just certain and true. The word of certainty means obscurity, means doubt, indecision, hesitation. I want you to think about a boxer in a boxing ring. Vagueness, ambiguity, insecurity, improbability. I don't think I can win. The opposite of uncertainty is I run with confidence in Christ. I want you to think about that boxing ring this morning. The Bible says that Paul says, I fight. So I fight. What does it mean? The word fight means a clenched hand. To be a boxer. That's what it means in the Greek. To be a boxer. To box. Why would God say these words to us? And he says, I fight not as one that beats the air. Which means to thrash or just smite the air. Not knowing what you're hitting. You cannot defeat an enemy unless you locate the enemy. You cannot... Defeat the opponent unless you locate him and find out his strategy and find out his strength. You'll never beat him. You'll lose every time. The Bible says in the HCSB version, this same verse, do you not know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control 
in everything. However, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who beats the air. That means a lot of people are spinning their wheels and chasing rainbows. Hoping for the best. That's right, they're shadow boxing. And you're never going to hit your opponent if you shadow box. Because when you get in the ring, there's someone in that ring that wants to beat you down and get the win. What are the qualities of a boxer that can be looked at for our lives as Christians? One of the most important qualities to win a championship fight is you must stay focused. This is very important. What does that mean? It's a state or condition having clear perception or understanding. It's a point of concentration, single-mindedness, emphasis on the task at hand, intentionality, total effort, total concentration, motivation, application, no distractions. You cannot win in a boxing ring if you're not focused. Now, I want to interject something from 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. I'll explain this. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Do you know what was happening in the early church? A rumor started on their internet, so to speak, that Jesus already returned. And Paul the Apostle was alarmed because he loved the church at Thessalonica. And he wrote them and he said, listen, take my word for it. He has not returned yet. Don't be so soon shaken. Don't be so soon troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. The same thing is happening. People are preaching fear. They have zeal, but they're not using a whole lot of wisdom on trying to calm the storm that's raging in the world. Now, I'm not here to talk about a vaccine. I'm not here to preach about the vaccine this morning, whether you should take it or not take it, okay? But when people start to take the vaccine and link it to the mark of the beast, I'm alarmed because that's bringing fear. Because I don't believe we're in the book of Revelation yet. Because if we were, I would like to see the 12,000 virgin preachers from every tribe 144,000 walking the earth right now preaching the gospel for Israel. I would like to see the vials and all these things taking place. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, John said that he heard a voice in that city. I would believe that and so many thousands of theologians believe that that's the rapture of the church. And everything from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 is pertaining to the world and to Israel. Listen, make no mistake about it. 
Seven years of tribulation. The mark of the beast will occur probably in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist will make a peace pact. But then he'll go into the temple and he'll act like he's God. And he'll break that peace pact with Israel. And everybody's getting all verklempt right now. Oh, am I going to take the mark of the beast? Well, you don't have to take the mark of the beast. Praise the Lord. Because if you love Jesus and you go in the rapture of the church, you're not going to be here for the mark of the beast. But what I'm just trying to interject this morning, it wasn't part of my sermon, but someone wrote to me yesterday and asked me to listen to these uh, videos. And it was three hours long. And I, and I made the mistake of doing it. And I fast forward a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you saying to me? What are you saying? That I'm going to take the mark of the beast? Listen, I'm not for a vaccine myself. Because I don't know what's in it. And it hasn't even been produced yet. There's nothing tangible or substantial about a vaccine. And that's what everybody's talking about. Don't take the vaccine. What, What are you talking about? It hasn't even been produced yet. But they got the body of Christ and so many Christians in turmoil on the internet thinking, oh my God, am I going to take the mark of the beast? Well, I'm not planning to do that, my friend, to take the mark of the beast. Because you know what the Bible says? God has marked you and me. And he has sealed us. He has a mark on us, my friend, and he identifies us by that mark. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Okay. Stay focused. Don't listen to everything on the internet like it's gospel truth. And if you want to follow a preacher, go follow what the preacher believes, please. I can't caution you enough. Find out if he believes in the Trinity. Find out if he believes in Pentecost. Find out if he thinks we're heretics because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Find out. Don't just follow anybody, my friend. Don't just post about anybody, my friend. Know who you're posting about. Stay focused. A boxer must stay focused in the ring. No distractions. He's not with his family. He's not with his girlfriend while he's training. He's in some mountain somewhere training, in some cabin, in some gym. He's not taking the delights of the world or the pleasures of the world because he has one thing in mind, focus. I have to win this fight. This is a heavyweight championship fight, and I must train for 15 rounds. A boxer must not only be focused, but he must stay balanced. Spiritual equilibrium. What does balance mean? It means mental and emotional steadiness. So many people are unsteady. It means to bring into harmony a stable state characterized, listen carefully, by the cancellation of all forces by equal opposing forces. In other words, I'm not paying attention to distractions. I'm not paying attention to nonsense. I'm not paying attention to interruptions that want to make my spirit unbalanced and cause me to have fear. It's a stable and steady calm state of the emotions. It means collectiveness, composure, coolness, poise. Haven't you ever seen a boxer? I I love to watch boxing because it's an art if you look at it carefully. When a boxer gets in the ring, you know when he has poise. He's not intimidated by that enemy. I remember a fight when Cassius Clay, who became Muhammad Ali, fought Sonny Liston. And Clay won the fight before the fight even began. 
because he instilled fear in Sonny Lustig. He called him names. He said, I'm coming for you. He made up poems. He had a gigantic man of stature, a man whose fist was like a cinder block, like a cinder block. It was huge. But he put so much fear in him, and in Lewiston, Maine, he knocked him right out because Sonny Liston was afraid when he got into the ring. He wasn't focused. He was distracted by poetry. He was distracted by the statements in the newspapers, and he was not a person of balance. He did not have emotional calmness. He was unbalanced, like a lot of people walking the earth, and a lot, like a lot of Christians who are just listening to everything on the internet. Like, the internet is gospel. I want to tell you what's gospel, my friend. It's the word of God is gospel. Read the word of God. That's the truth. Oh, the internet said. Google said. Who's Google? Who are you talking to on Google? Who's Google? The internet. Who's the internet? Some guy that's having another dream. Some guy that's having another vision. Some guy that's I've heard from God. Listen. When it's a dream from God... It'll come to pass. Hear what I'm saying. If a prophet prophesies, the Bible says if he's a prophet, it'll come to pass. Come on, my friend. Unbalanced means what? Unhinged. So many people are unhinged right now. Distorted. Confused. So many people are disturbed. You know what it means to be unbalanced? It means to make insane. Some people are going crazy. They're deranged. There's serious mental illness and disorders. It impairs a person's capacity to function normally and safely because they're so afraid. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. And even if we die, he overcame death. Hallelujah. I preached on that last week. He woke up people, praise God, before he even went to the cross. We get so verklempt, bonkers. Unbalanced means daffy, gaga, cuckoo, fruity, loco, wacky, not all there, nutty as a fruitcake, off one's rocker, of unsound mind, sick in the head, stark raving mad. And you see people who are Christians and they're panicking like, oh my God, what's happening? You tell me what's happening. What's happening in your life right now that you're so unbalanced, you're so unfocused, You're so defeated by letter, by spirit, by word, by what someone is preaching on the internet that has no relevance to us at this present moment. Can you say amen? Amen. A boxer must have focus. He must be balanced. And he must have fight within. And this is what's missing. Resist the devil. What's fight? It means to resist and contest. It means to combat, to do battle, to struggle against. It's an antagonism between two parties. It's waging war. It's a determination within to win at all costs, which includes sacrifice and training and dedication to be a winner. Listen, when I was an athlete and I trained, and and at one point in my life I, I was trained by a Golden Gloves boxer, Patty Amador, who threw the kitchen sink at me. I want to tell you what part of my training was. Part of my training was, my warm-up was, I ran in place for one hour. I'm not lying. 
I lifted weights every other day. I ran three miles a day. I did wind sprints, 450 feet full speed one way and 450 feet back the other way. I trained, man. I trained. I sweated. I perspired. He threw the kitchen sink at me sometimes. But I wouldn't give in. Why? Because I wanted to win. I wanted to win. I wanted to win. And we have to have fight within us. We can't just lay over like a dog, like Rover. Lay over, dog. Roll over, dog. No, we're not dogs. We're children of God. We're ordained by God. We're more than conquerors through him that loves us. Hallelujah. We are the chosen of the Lord. And we need to stand up and start going forward and acting like children of God. We're not defeated. Read the book. Read the book. We win. But you have to have fight. You must have fight within. If you believe there's a spiritual war going on, then you must fight. Verses in the word of God tells us in Exodus 17 and 9, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Nehemiah the prophet said, Nehemiah 4.14, And I looked and I rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and fearsome and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. It's time to fight for our homes. Nehemiah 4.20, In what place therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God will fight for us. Psalm 144.1, Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And Hebrews 10.32 says, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. People are getting bowed over by little winds that are coming to them. By what people are saying. They're getting knocked over unnecessarily as Christians. It's no time to lose focus. It's no time to become unbalanced. It's, it's no time to not have fight within. We must fight from here on end. There's going to be hard days, my friend. I'm not painting you a picture here that we're going to walk through the tulip patch. There's going to be trials and fiery trials and afflictions. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be times of hard times sometimes where we're not going to know where to do and where to go until we hear the voice of the Lord. A good boxer is obedient. What does that mean, Pastor? What does the word obedient mean? It means compliant, dutiful, submissive, unquestioning to the trainer. You know, a lot of people want to become something, but they don't want instruction. There's a lot of sports figures that sign big contracts, and after they sign them, they become fat and lazy. (laughs) Because they lose their program by choice. Because they think they've arrived. As a Christian, you have not arrived until your feet hit the streets of gold. Hear what I'm saying. The Bible says, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Anything less than being obedient causes casualty and loss. Obedience. 
I'm going to do what the trainer says. You want to win? You may not like the trainer. You may hate him sometimes. You may despise him. You may, you may hate going to the gym. You may hate it. But at the end of the day, when you're done, and you've sweated, and you've perspired, and you took a shower, and you sit on a stool, you sit on a bench, and you say, I hate you, but I love you. It's a love-hate relationship sometimes. What's God saying to us? He's saying, be obedient to your trainer. Who's your trainer? Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Exodus 24, 7, and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. We will comply. Acts 6, 7 says this, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They complied. They listened to their trainers, the men of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 9, for to this end also did I write that I might have proof from you whether you be obedient in all things. We have to prove obedience. 1 Peter 1.14 As obedient children, do not fashion yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't get distracted again by that world. Stay focused. Don't go for that world when things get stressful. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whomsoever you yield yourselves as servants to obey, his servants you become whom you obey, whether of sin which leads unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, which will we obey? What will, be, what will we be compliant toward? Sin or righteousness? Hebrews 5.8 says, Through Though he were a son, yet he learned his obedience by the things which he suffered. And that was Jesus. A boxer has to be obedient to the trainer. If he wants to win, he has to train for 15 rounds if it's a heavyweight championship fight. Not for three. Some people just try to get by. Some people try to do the minimum. Some people just try to skirt around and say, well, I'll just do what I have to do. No. You always have to do more if you want to win. You always have to train more if you want to win. You have to stay in shape if you want to win. Praise the Lord. A boxer must stay focused. He must have balance. He must have fight within. He must be obedient. But he must also experience comfort. Pastor, what are you talking about? A boxer. Talking about boxing. Comfort? What is comfort? It's well-being. It's security. It's relaxation. It's contentment. It's consolation. It's reassurance. It's relief. It's a sight for sore eyes. Let me explain. A boxer must exhibit comfort with those who are handling him. A boxer must exhibit comfort with those who are handling him. You can't continue in warfare without the comfort of God. Listen, if you go to a doctor and you don't have comfort in that doctor, you need to find a different doctor. That's right. He's not going to help you. Because he's not a sight for sore eyes for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are, I'm just giving you sort of a layman's example. We have to find comfort in our trainer. Yes. 
And a boxer looks at that trainer with comfort and says, you are a sight for sore eyes. Because with you, I'm a winner. With God, we're a winner. Psalms 23, 4 says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When I'm in a match, when I'm boxing, when the enemy comes against me, when the enemy tries to assault me, and when the enemy tries to accuse me and condemn me, God is my comfort. He said in Psalm 71, 21, Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Amen. Haven't you ever noticed in a boxing match? A boxer gets a cut. He goes back to the corner. They start working on that cut. But there's somebody whispering in his ear, in the other ear. You're the champ. You're the champ. Circle left. Sting like a bee, float like a butterfly. You're the champ. You're the champ. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Sometimes as Christians, we're going to get a cut on the eye, praise God, spiritually. Sometimes we're going to get a bruise on our knee. And sometimes we're going to go back to the corner and kneel on that stool. And he's going to comfort us. And he's going to talk to us. And he's going to whisper in our ear, you're the champ. You're the champ. You're more than a conqueror. I have chosen you. I have ordained you. You are my beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter. We must hear the voice of God in the corner of our affliction. Isaiah 66, 13 says, As one whom his mother comforteth. Who's not been comforted by their mother here? Or your grandmother. Or your aunt who raised you. And you fell off that bicycle when that bully beat you up in school. And you came through the door with a bloody nose or a black eye. Who's the one that put their hands on your shoulder and steadied you? Focus, balance. And she whispered to you, it's going to be okay. Mama's here. It's going to be okay. The reassuring words of a mother. The reassuring words of a trainer in a boxing match. The reassuring words of Christ in the valley of the shadow of death. Reassuring, speaking to us all the time. Matthew 9, 22 says, But Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Be of good comfort. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Issue of blood for 12 years. No comfort. Unbalanced. No focus. Until one day she heard about Jesus. Until one day, God the Father said, go down and meet my son. He's on Hallelujah Square somewhere. Just touch the hem of his garment, woman, and thou shalt be whole. And he will comfort you. For the first time, you'll receive comfort in 12 years. She went to all the physicians and was healed of none until she met Jesus. And you know, it's exactly like that for us. We went to a lot of places looking for healing, my friend. 
We looked for a lot of places until we came to that place of Christ. Amen. And he steadied us. And he said, I love you and I forgive you. And now you are my child. Boy, I'm telling you, my friend, something happened that day. Something happened in our lives. Praise the Lord. The Bible said in Mark 10, 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Be of good comfort because in the next minute you're going to see. Acts 9.31, then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had rest and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit was multiplied. My friends, we need this comfort. This is what the church needs. People are throwing gas on the fire. Scaring Christians. Speaking stuff with anger. Not steadying the boat as a paternal figure. You gotta steady the boat sometimes. You gotta bring people reassurance. If you ever study the characteristics of sheep, they scare very easily and they scatter very easily. You gotta keep sheep inside the fence. But you don't keep them inside the fence by deluging them. Flooding them with fear, videos. Listen to this, listen to that. This is what's going to happen. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, my friend. Nobody. Except Jesus, except God. Everybody's got this plan how it's going to work out. And if you look at life, it never works out the way you think. Because God is so creative that he does things so mystically and majestically that it just blows your mind. Amen. Come on, I told you last week. Amen. How could a savior spit on the ground, spittle, make a mud pie, put it on a guy's eyes, tell him to go wash and he'll be healed? Come on, can you do that? No. Can you even think of doing that? No. Can you even think of coming up with something like that? No. You couldn't. But that was Jesus. Amen. Sometimes he just spoke it. Amen. Sometimes he just said it. Sometimes people just touched him. How could you understand in the book of Acts when the man of God said, just walk in my shadow and you shall be healed. Some people say, well, he's pretty cocky, wasn't he? Oh, no. He knew who he was. And he was in a boxing match all the time. And he knew how to win. And when God called him and said, make the people walk by you and in your shadow they shall be healed. Or sending a handkerchief to someone. An anointing handkerchief that the preacher wore. Some people say, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's a point of contact. God is a very creative God. He made the elephant as big as it is. And he made an amoeba that you can only see through a microscope. Now, come on. Who can do that? Can any of us do that? People are saying, oh, look at the, what they're doing in laboratories. What are they doing in laboratories? What are they doing in laboratories? They'll never be able to do what God has done. Never. They'll never speak one planet into existence. They'll never take dust and ashes from the earth and breathe into the nostrils of a man and make him a living being. 
They'll never take a rib out of a woman and make a, um, out of a man and make a woman. They'll never do that. They'll never duplicate that. They'll never do that. Man thinks he's so great. Robots. They can talk. They can think. Whatever. They'll never create a brain like God's created the brain in the human mind. Never. Never. Billions of transactions a day. You don't even, you're not even aware of what's going on. A heart as big as a fist that just continually pumps blood through your system to give you life because the Bible says there's life in the blood. Who could do that? Who could do that? But yet people don't believe. But they'll go to the internet and they'll believe what the internet says because somebody said it. I saw it. I saw it on the internet. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.3 says, This blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. When we understand the comfort of God, we can help steady the boat the life of another human being and say take a deep breath let's look toward God right now because God is our source 1 Thessalonians 5.11 commands us and says therefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do we must comfort each other a boxer in a ring must have understanding what understanding does he mean do you mean he needs to read a few books now, what's, what's understanding? It's awareness. It's perception. It's wit. Intelligence. Cleverness. Insight. Knowledge. He knows the enemy, and he knows who and what he is fighting. Listen carefully. This is important. He watches the film history of the opponent. He watches the film history of the opponent. And we can see that film history of our enemy by reading the word of God. We can read the word of God and find out how he operates. How did he operate in the Old Testament? How did he operate in the days of Jesus? How did he operate in the book of Acts? We must be aware. If he's going to go into that ring, he must know who he's fighting. He can't go in cold. He can't go in cocky and say, well, I won my first 15 fights and this guy's easy. Better watch the film. You better study the film. Because there's always some young buck coming up the ranks that's going to knock you right on the turf. And you're going to lose. You see, my friend, a lot of people just don't study and know the word of God. And they don't know how the enemy operates. And they're in the dark. And they're beating the air aimlessly because they don't know this word. This is the book, my friend. This is our source. This is our roadmap. Not only to heaven, but for life. Praise God in the name of Jesus. With understanding, you get wisdom, which together are the gold and silver of the Bible. Wisdom is skill and shrewdness in war. Do you know why an older boxer can still win? Not because he's as agile as he was in his early days. Not because he's as quick as he was or as his reflexes as quick as they were. But he wins by wit. He wins by experience because if you watch him in a ring, he watches the opponent. 
He watches him because he has seen this guy a lot in a different form with a different face. He's, he's been in the ring with this guy on a different day, a different face, a different body. And he knows the mannerisms and he looks for the open door. It's like a quarterback in football. He sizes up the defense. He looks for the weak spot. He looks at the film and he says, we can beat this guy on this pass route. This is it. And you know what he does? He goes right for that guy. Sometimes on the first play of the game, and people say, oh, it's going to be a run. No, it wasn't a run. It was a pass play. Why? Because he watched the film. He studied the film. You know why Peyton Manning was such a great quarterback in his day? You know why? All he did was watch films. He was a brainiac. He was a genius. That's why he could stand behind that center and call it automatic play because he saw all these plays in those playbooks. He saw all those plays on film. He saw them before. And in a split second, he had to make the decision. He called it audible. And in a split section, bam, there it was. How did he do that? Because he studied the enemy. And he had understanding of who he was playing against. And even when he was older, he still won because he had wit, he had intelligence, and he had cleverness. Praise the Lord. What does the Bible say about wisdom? It's what we're teaching our young people in our class. Right. Sister Peggy and Brother Freddie. Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth, praise God, cometh knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Look at verse Proverbs 4.7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Number one, you need wisdom. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Some people have no wisdom. And how do you know they have no wisdom? By their choices. They make dumb choices without the wisdom of God. And they think they're right. They think they're doing the right thing. And you can't approach some folk because they would say, you don't know what you're talking about. That's, right. That's okay. Don't listen to the trainer. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 5.1 says, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow down thy ear to my understanding. Why don't you read these verses, Pastor? To reinforce what God's saying. Proverbs 16.16, 16, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Proverbs 16.22, understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. So many young people follow fools. They're my friends. They're not your friends. You have no idea what a friend is. Your friends? Get in trouble with the police and see how many of your friends throw you under the bus in about 30 seconds. Yeah, get in trouble with the police one time. And see what your friends do to you. They're your friends, your buddies, your homies. See what they do. They sing like birds. They sing like birds. 
they all get scared and their knees start to tremble. I didn't mean it. He made me do it. I didn't want to do those drugs. I didn't want to rob that house. I didn't want to do that. So who are you going to give up? I can give up at least six people. Foolish. And that's what they do. They're not your friends. Get a life, man. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and 5, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You'll listen to the trainer, draw it out. You'll listen to him. You'll listen to those that instruct you. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 3, through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. Jeremiah 5, 21, hear now this, O foolish people and without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. That's the world. That's the world. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have no clue what's going on concerning the eternal world, the eternal life. A boxer must submit and surrender. Submit and surrender? Yeah. He must acquiesce to those that handle him. He must defer to them. He must give in and yield to them. Surrender means to capitulate, to give in, to relinquish, to concede. You can't fight against those that want to teach you. You can't fight against those that want to instruct you. You can't fight against the authority that wants to give you a good orderly direction. Because when you do that, you act like a fool. And you have no wisdom. Because you're acting on your own. And you're thinking, I don't need this. I don't need this. I'm smart. How smart are you? Your best thinking gets you where you are. We all need trainers. We all need people to speak into our spirit. We all need someone to teach us the word of God. Amen? Amen. He must submit. To win, you must come under the authority of the king. A lot of people are waging a war, but not under the authority of Jesus Christ. They're waging a war in the flesh. They're waging the war in carnality. And my friend, it doesn't work. The Bible says this in Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they keep watch over your souls as the ones who must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Pastors are trainers. Pastors are trainers. We're under shepherds. We try to teach people the word of God if they'll listen. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen to the trainer. A boxer looks beyond and sees victory. You cannot go into a boxing ring thinking you're going to lose. You know why teams are defeated? Because they're defeated in the locker room. Because they believe the other team is so big and so full of giants that we can't beat them. We can't win. And you know what? They lose. A boxer cannot be intimidated by the opponent when he goes into the ring. But he must look beyond and see victory. You must look beyond the temporal, the earthly, and the moment, knowing this, that there's something eternal waiting for you that will inspire you to continue your fight. Why does the Bible say that 
many, many shall depart from the faith. What happened to them? They lost focus. They lost fight. They lost all of these qualities. And they lost sight of eternity. And they traded in the pleasures of the moment for their eternal life. Ephesians 3, 1 says, according to the eternal purpose, which he has purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all have an eternal purpose. There's a reason why we were born. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says this, one of my wife's favorite verses, I believe, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever we have to go through, how many blows we have to take, how many cuts we have to uh, take, how many times we have to get knocked down, it's worth it to get back up and fight. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hold on to eternity. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's your spirit. Fight. Perseverance. Persistence. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down in life. What matters is picking yourself back up through the power of the Holy Spirit. We all have setbacks. I don't care who you are in this room. Everybody has setbacks. Everybody loses a job. Everyone has someone that they thought would love them but ends up not loving them. Everyone experiences rejection, isolation. All of us have received some sort of persecution or abuse. But you're sitting here this morning. Why? Because you're still in the fight. And God respects when we're in the fight because he's a man of war. He's a man of war. He came to defeat the powers of evil. He came to defeat death. He came as a baby. He hung on a cross. He was tortured. So I can live and so you can live eternally. And last, two things you need. Determination, which is perseverance personified. Endurance. Resolve. It means to have fortitude and strength of mind and strength of character. Don't get blown over by every little wind. Don't get blown over by every little word. The Bible says we need perseverance, which is persistence. It's a good stubbornness. It's diligence. It's drive. It's tenacity. It's dedication. It's being obstinate. I can do this through Christ. It's devotion. It's steadfastness, becoming tirelessness. Without determination and without perseverance, you will become tired and you will quit your journey. Seen it in the boxing ring. See defeat. You can see it. Boxes arms hanging down. No longer guarding his face. He's been pounded. His arms have been pounded by the opponent to make his arms weary and tired. 
And he begins to drop those arms. And he sets himself up for that right hand that comes. Bam! His head drops. And then all of a sudden the box changes his stance and comes with the left in an uppercut. And that head goes up like that and those eyes roll in his head. And he comes back with the right. Bang! 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 And he's out. How did it happen? The opponent lost determination and he lost perseverance. And he let his guard down. And when he let his guard down, his chin was exposed. And that's where he lost the fight. He lost the fight when he lost his determination and perseverance. You've all heard this said in sports. Two minutes left. It's time to dig in. What does that mean? You got two minutes to win it. Offensive line is tired. They've been beaten. Some of them are bloody. They're in the trenches. They, have, they, they, they don't get any credit. Those big bodies move. Big bodies coming against them. And the trainer, the coach says, just give me two more minutes. I know you're tired. The quarterback gets in the huddle and he calls a play and he says, fellas, I just need two minutes. That's it. Give me everything you got. I want you to dig in. And because they respect their trainer, because they respect their leader, the quarterback, they get in a three-point stand and they dig in. And they growl. And they say to themselves, I'm coming. And the person that's going to follow me as I open up this hole for daylight is that halfback. And he's coming. And he's going to run to daylight. And we're going to win. Because they determined and persevered and had tenacity and declared, we will win this game. Same thing in a boxing ring. When you lose your determination and you lose your perseverance, you'll dry up. You'll be blown away and you'll be defeated by every enemy that comes against you and you'll just give in to the flesh and say, it's over. Why try? Jesus didn't come for loss. He came to win. He said in Luke twenty two twenty two, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto the man by whom he's betrayed. Isaiah 50 and 7 says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Jesus took up that cross and like a flint walked up Golgotha's hill and said, I must do it. I must go. I must die to rise again. You think that was easy? But he determined. He had intentionality. And he had perseverance. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, as I come to a close, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not much matters in these days except Jesus serving God, studying, praying, finding your way out of the valley, back up to the mountain. There's nothing more important right now. 
Nothing in this life. We strive. We go to all great lengths to do things. But the thing most people lack is their perseverance and determination to find the mind of God for their life. And they beat the air aimlessly. John, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto everyone who believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. John 16.33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Don't give up your determination. Don't stop persevering. And lastly, in 1 Peter 4.16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this account. What does it mean, Pastor? Determination is a no matter what attitude. No matter what. No matter what. I'm coming through. I've come too far to get waylaid. I've come too far for my railroad car to get off the track. I've come too far to be distracted by anything or anyone. I have one goal. One goal. And that's to meet the Savior. To hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all. That's it. Nothing. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I have one goal in my life right now. And that's to find Christ every day and dig in, dig in and have that perseverance when the enemy assails me and he does to go back to my corner, sit in my stool and have God take those tools, take my eyes of blood and wipe them and speak into my ear. You're the champ. You're the champ. Circle left. Sting like a bee. And float like a butterfly. I will win with Jesus as my guide. Let me just review for one moment some of the characteristics of a boxer. He must stay focused. He must stay balanced. He must have fight within. He must be obedient. He must experience comfort. Praise the Lord. He must have understanding. He must submit and surrender. He must look for that eternal purpose. He must have determination. And he must have perseverance. And to reiterate one more time, determination is a no matter what attitude. No matter what. I'm coming through in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for people that will view, Lord, this tape. I pray for those, God, that have become unbalanced that are stressed out by what they're reading on the internet, that are so afraid to make a next move, that are so paralyzed in their emotions, I pray for them, God, that you would bring peace to their life 
and still the winds in their life and calm their spirit and touch them and heal them in their mind, in their body, in their soul. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.